and, and in my classroom specifically, I think, how am I encouraging the humanity of my Black students? What am I doing to make sure that those Black students feel seen and the families that are families of color? What, what, what can I do to make sure that they feel seen and that they feel heard and that they feel welcomed when they come into my classroom? And I have to be intentional with that because they may have experiences where there was no seat for them at the table. You know, they may be coming from a different school or whatever. So what can I do to make sure that they know that when they're in this space and when they leave and they're out in our community, that they are, are human and that they deserve the respect and the love, not having done anything without just, with just walking into my space, that they deserve the love and the respect. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Reclaiming Social Justice. My name is Danny, and I'm the host. This is part two of our series on respecting all life in celebration of Respect Life Month this October. In the first episode, we reflected, prayed, and fasted for an end to abortion. And in this episode, episode two, I'm joined by Ms. Jasmine Bush, our second grade teacher at St. Anthony Catholic School, and Father John Henderson, our pastor to reflect, pray, and fast for an end to the sin of racism. So listen to our conversation to hear more about how racism is a life issue as well. If you're enjoying this series on Respect Life or any of the other episodes you've heard in this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to Reclaiming Social Justice wherever you listen to podcasts. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Father John and Jasmine. Enjoy. I wanted to kick off our conversation by talking about an image, a scene, an event, or a moment from, from your either your personal life or just in your life that relates to this topic of race and racism. And of course, there's George Floyd. I think all of us probably have that as like a scene or a moment forever etched into our, our minds and consciences. But I don't know. How about how about you, Jasmine? How about you, Father John? What's do you have an event or a story, an experience that connects to this? I think for me, it was um, I was thinking about my childhood and, and the way I grew up. So I grew up um, in this area, in, in the Beaverton area, my whole life, um, and I experienced a lot of different. I experienced a lot of different, uh, you know, racist things, uh, you know, a lot of bullying as a kid. And I didn't have the language when I was younger to really understand what was going on. Um, it wasn't until I actually got to college and I left Oregon and I went to a school in California that was so diverse that on my first day of college, I actually stopped to be in my cat. I hadn't seen so many people of so many different um, faiths, of so many different, uh, you know, ethnic groups, so many different languages. And um, you know, I am half Asian, half black. And so that kind of goes to show you just the differences in moving from one place to another. Um, but as a kid, I experienced a lot of racism and I was always super ashamed of who I was and who my family was. And um, I have an amazing family, an amazing Catholic family that um, helped me be the woman I am today. But I was always super ashamed of that because it was so different than what my classmates we're used to and what society was telling us we had to had to be and what I had to be. 
And so I carried this huge burden and this huge shame of who I am um, because of the racism that I faced. And now as an educator, I think I see that in some of my students and I want to help them discover the beauty of who they are and, and the pride in who they, who they are and the pride in their cultures and, and the beauty of their families. And, um, and so when I think about you know, my experiences with racism, it always goes back to when I was really, really young. And the first time I experienced racism was when I was in third grade. Uh, a little boy called me um, a really derogatory term and wrote it actually in chalk on, uh, on the basketball court that I was playing on. And I didn't understand the situation. I didn't understand what was going on. My teachers didn't understand the situation. The only people who understood what was happening were my parents. And they were the biggest advocates for me. And so I carry that story with me as an educator now. And just um, it is my passion to just make sure that, you know, our young students are just equipped with that language and that they're equipped with the um, actionable steps to intervene when they see that. Because a lot of my friends just stood by and had no idea what was happening. So, yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Jasmine. It's really powerful. Um, how about you, Father John? What, anything that comes to mind? Well, I, I grew up. Um... Uh, in Detroit, you know, in the yeah. inner city. And uh, I can remember um, playing in the backyard. I was in pool. I was 10 years old, 1967. Remember it as if it was yesterday. And all of a sudden, there was black smoke all over the skies. It was awful. And I ran in the house and I said, Mom, come on out here. Look at, look at what happened. Look what's happening. And she uh, immediately saw it. And so we turned on the news and, and the whole city was, um, being ripped apart. Um, and it was my first encounter with the suffering, but, but I have to say, we grew up in an attitude of, you know, there was the black neighborhood and the white neighborhood in Detroit. And we were part of the white neighborhood and you didn't go into the black neighborhood. Um, because that's a scary area and we have to stay away. Um, and, um, you know, and so I, I think of growing up in an environment that was very much um, teaching me the, the, the separation in a sense and, and not realizing at the time that the, the riots and, and everything that was happening was really a result of of uh, the way that uh, my black brothers and sisters were being treated and and uh, misused, and but all we saw really was that they were destroying the city. Um, they were ripping the city apart, and and uh, it was a, a very uh, difficult time. And when a black family would move in our neighborhood, then people would begin to move out uh, that they would not live there. And so I grew up and in this kind of environment. So when people tell me that racism doesn't exist or is not real, um, I, I know it's real. And as a kid, I, I didn't quite understand all of this really, um, but uh, really it, it was difficult. It was very difficult. And we had white schools and black schools and, and you didn't, um, uh, it just was, was that way. And so, um, and so on the street, whenever you saw a black person, you were kind of afraid, you know, and, and now, 
you know, I, I think things have gotten better, you know, in many ways uh, compared to that time, but it still exists. And to pretend like it doesn't for me is, is a joke because it's real. And um, um, I think my eyes have been opened by the experiences of my youth and, and growing up. And so uh, it's, it saddens me to no end. So that that's right. I kind of, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's been tough in many ways. So. Yeah. Well, our U S bishops recently wrote a document called open wide our hearts. And they speak to some of these realities that um, connect to the stories that you're sharing so far. And in the document, it says, quote, too many good and faithful Catholics remain unaware of the connection between institutional racism and the continued erosion of the sanctity of life. Moreover, Pope Francis also says, we cannot tolerate or turn a blind eye to racism and exclusion in any form, and yet claim to defend the sacredness of every human life. And so that's what this episode and all this whole series is really about, is making this connection with all these other issues to the issue of life. So um, what do you all think? How, how do you see, in your opinion, this connection between racism and, and, you know, being a pro-life issue. Well, Danny, also in that, in that same document, Open Wide Your Hearts, was a very profound document, you know. And I think that was, letter was written in 2018. Yes. And in that letter, it clearly says this, which really is important. As bishops, we unequivocally state that racism is a life issue. Unequivocally. And it goes on, accordingly, we will not cease, they said, to speak forcefully against and work toward ending racism. And so it's very clear here that uh, racism is truly a life issue. You know, God, <laughs> you know, it, it's sort of like, you think God doesn't make mistakes, right? Or God doesn't... Uh, you know, uh, God has a plan. And in this beautiful plan, God has created all of us, every single person. And, and God, didn't, God didn't put one uh, um, group of people over another group of people or, or white over black or black over white. or it's, it's, We're all creations of God. And so because of that, for me, it's clearly, clearly uh, a life issue. And to show any disrespect toward any person of any color is really going against uh, God's uh, beautiful creation. So, yeah. Jasmine, what do, what do you think? I was going to say something similar to what Father John said. It, when I think of the, uh, of the, of the you know, a pro-life, the word that immediately comes to to my mind is something that um, Andy says all the time, which is the respect and dignity of, of everyone, the humanity of everyone. And when I think about racism, it's countering that idea. It's being okay with the systems and the ideas that, um, you know, allow us to group people based on how they look, to group people based on their abilities. Um, and, it, and it counters this idea that we are all made, you know, wonderfully made in the image of God and that he made us with, you know, he made us all 
um, with a unique purpose and that we're all brothers and sisters and that we're all tied together. And so I think of humanity as anti-racism, right? Actively working together to combat those, those systems and, and those ideas that continue to tear humanity apart. Um, you know, one of my favorite things to talk about with my students is um, the commandments. And I love to hear their ideas about what it means to love your neighbor. And I often take this idea that my students have with me um, every day is that like, you know, when we say love your neighbor, it means to love everybody, regardless of how they look, how much money they make, um, where they're from. Um, it's, it's as simple as just loving the person next to you and seeing them for who they are and seeing them, um, you know, as, as tied to um, one of God's creations. Um, and so I try to take that with me because when kids say it, it's always so innocent, but it's also really powerful, yeah. you know, that, that at seven years old, they understand what people are working to understand their whole life. Yeah. Yeah. For me personally, I think about um, somebody who's helped me make this connection, especially during this, this challenging um, year, after, you know, post George Floyd. Um, I don't know if you all listen to, um, she's a radio host. Her name is Gloria Purvis. She's on a show um, called uh, Morning Glory, I believe, but she has just really stepped up as this strong advocate for both, you know, abortion and also um, um, the black community. And she says that racism makes a liar of God because mm -hmm. racism in its core basically means that, you know, uh, what black skin or dark skin is less than white skin. Right. Um, and it says that not everybody is made in his image. Right. And that's to me the, the just a really powerful way to see that connection. And just a reminder that what we're talking about here is preserving and protecting and promoting the dignity of the human person. Why? Because we're all imprinted with God's divine image and you know, Jasmine, I, I spoke to the teachers this morning and something mm -hmm. that I just want to reemphasize what I said at that uh, to the teachers is that, you know, we, when we see one another, especially if it's a brother or sister who's a different color than us, like we really should, if we come from a, a, a proper understanding of our faith and this teaching of life and dignity of the human person, like we should bow to one another, right? Mm -hmm. Because of how sacred, you know, our, our identity is as, as sons and daughters of, of, of God our creator. And so, yeah, anything else, any other way, any other experiences that you've had that kind of helped you see this connection? Um, I mean, one, uh, one, I guess the group of people that have been like really eye-opening to me in my discovery of, um, of racism, what it is and how I can help others and help myself combat racism is actually my grandparents. So my grandparents, they, uh, were refugees during the Vietnam War. And so a lot of their family members and people they know were persecuted for their faith. And so growing up, they were fearless, uh, you know, fearless in their, um, you know, their faith. And they shared that with our family uh, to really, they, they really helped us as young kids. I have a huge family, um, but out of like a million of us, that they really shared with, showed us that it's important for us to live that faith, you know, outwardly. Like, it's great to pray and great to be in the pews, but to also, like, be out in the streets and to, and to you know, kind of 
walk the walk. If you're going to talk and say the prayers, also walk that. And um, to me, I, I connect that with discipleship is how are you walking in the light, the light of God? And, and how are you following in Jesus' footsteps? And to me, I think about, you know, racism. And, you know, if I'm engaging in that, or if I see people engaging in that with me, that um, they're not walking in that light. And, and so for me, when I was younger and I, and I experienced racism in college, it was always just a personal attack for me and it would really aggravate me and I would get really flustered and really upset. But now when I hear people say racist things or I experience racism from someone, you know, I've tried to really change my mind and say, how can I help this person? How can mm-hmm. I uplift them and help them see that what they're saying is really harmful? And how can I help them get on that path? to finding that light and to help them kind of just recorrect or shift their brains a little bit. Um, because what I find is oftentimes when um, I encounter people who say things that are racist, they're often surprised when they say something racist. Right. They don't realize that they're partaking in that type of behavior. And so um, my grandparents have really taught me that um, they're, that to not give up on people. And that sometimes if you're experiencing that racism, that may be an opportunity for you to educate and to share and to kind of hold that person's hand. Um, because at the end of the day, um, they're, they too are our brothers and sisters, yes. right? And so we can't just leave them in the dust. We have to, to help them as well, as much as we can, and as much as they would like to be helped as well. Yeah. I mean, I believe it's a, what is it, a father, a corporal or a spiritual work of mercy to, to educate, to correct our, our brothers and sisters um, when, they're, when they're in error. Um, but I think a, a lot of what you're saying, Jasmine, reminds me of all the people we're seeing on the streets right now, right, who are protesting um, the, the death of George Floyd and just the legacy of racism in this country um, and the, the fight for racial justice, right? And, and, you know, I think now might be a good time to address the elephant in the room, right, um, because many people associate racial justice protests or movements to what um, is broadly considered the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and so I just found really interesting this quote by Archbishop Laurie of, of Baltimore that he says, and, and I, this is this, he asked this question in his article, and, and I pose it to, to all of us right now. Is there a truth reflected in these words, Black Lives Matter, that transcends partisan platforms? and ideological constructs, a truth that indeed resonates with the gospel values that flow from our faith. And again, as I, as I ask this question, as I bring this up, I want to be super abundantly clear. And I think, Father John, you would agree. We've talked about this before. We are not endorsing any one organization that has or adopts the, the phrase Black Lives Matter. Unfortunately, when we bring that up, that is just the automatic association people have. And I just want to be clear, we're, we're not endorsing any one organization, but I do want to focus on those words and, and to the question of Archbishop Roy, is there truth reflected in those words? What do you think, Father? You know, I, I, I think of um, St. Augustine, who really, you know, kind of says that... Um, that he, he observed the world and, and he recognized that it really is a world that sometimes uh, lacks justice and that, that he sees this, he calls us, uh, you know, he calls us the, uh, uh, a lust 
to dominate, a lust to dominate. St. Augustine uses that term. And um, uh, I think part of the issue is, is that we don't see ourselves equal to one another. We don't see ourselves that we're all on the same page. And I think there is this lust to dominate one over the other. And um, and that um, I'm superior and you're inferior in this kind of attitude. And so um, I think that the term, in my opinion, and uh, Jasmine can um, uh, let me know what she thinks of this, but that when I don't see myself as an equal, but rather an inferior. I want to shout out that my life matters. And I think it's been too long where um, our Black brothers and sisters have been treated as inferior. Um, uh, and, And the reality is, is that they now are crying out, Black lives matter, you know? And I think people who might say, uh, people might say, well, my life matters too. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's debating that issue. All lives matter. But when we talk about equality, you know, and we look at how we treat one another, I think this is a cry uh, that we need to really hear and listen to, not in a defensive way, but in a way that, that, that we resonate with this cry. You know, I think about uh, over history, over time with women, for example, who cried out, women matter, my life matters. And, and I think that we should not get offended by that particular phrase. That's my opinion on this. And, and rather, I should open my ears and my hearts to listen to this cry and to let go of my own lust to dominate and my own lust to to really, uh, you know, be in charge, but rather to see myself, to humble myself, and to recognize the cry of my brothers and sisters. Uh, black lives matter, and so that's just that's just my take on this, and that's why I see this as so important. Um, Jasmine, I don't know uh, what your thoughts are. Yeah, I I I one hundred percent agree. Uh... The image that I was thinking in my head as I was listening um, to you talk was um, I was thinking of like when a person has a cut and you see the cut and you're like, yeah, it's just a little cut. But if you leave that cut unattended for too long, it may get infected, right? There may be other symptoms that start to occur. You may get a fever, you may get bruising, you may have to go to the doctors. And I think that this large cry from people, from Black people all around the world, really, of saying that we matter is like that that length of time that a lot of uh you know parts of our society have kind of left unattended we've known that these systems have fostered in our in our society and um you know they've been brought to people's attention but nothing has been done to make sure that there's a seat at you know this at this table for everyone that the quality is really something that is being achieved for everyone and so when i think of Black Lives Matter. And when I think of, I, I really think how, and, and in my classroom specifically, I think 
how am I encouraging the humanity of my Black students? What am I doing to make sure that those Black students feel seen and the families that are families of color? What, what, what can I do to make sure that they feel seen and that they feel heard and that they feel welcomed when they come into my classroom? And I have to be intentional with that because they may have experiences where there was no seat for them at the table. You know, they may be coming from a different school or whatever. So what can I do to make sure that they know that when they're in this space and when they leave and they're out in our community, that they are a human and that they deserve the respect and the love without having done anything, without just, with just walking into my space, that they deserve the love and the respect. And if you look back historically, you know, in just our American history, that respect and dignity has not been outstretched to everyone. And, you know, and I think that this loud cry of Black Lives Matters is just in reaction to Black people just being ready. They're ready to receive that love and the respect. Um, and they're ready to receive, you know, a seat at the table. Um, and, um, and I think people just have to open their arms to that and know that this is just a saying that we are humans and that um, we deserve to be in spaces as well. And, and we deserve the things that everyone else is, is, is being given at this time. Love that. Yeah, you, you both, both made this connection to, to opening our hearts, opening our eyes and listen to the cries of, of our Black brothers and sisters. Listen to, to this rally cry, really, that is these three words that have become so powerful now, um, Black Lives Matter. And I immediately, as I was listening to you to um, share, I thought of, um, I, I quote this, uh, my, this saying, Oscar Romero, many times because of my own identity as a Salvadoran American. And he, he says that there are many things that can only be seen through the eyes that have cried. And I think that's so powerful and so relevant to this topic of race and racism and Black Lives Matter, because, you know, like to your point, Father John, like, there's many people who don't believe it. There's many people who are skeptical or, or just aren't sure that, that racism still exists. They're unsure about this, this model, this phrase, Black Lives Matter, because um, it's, it's for some associated to these organizations that aren't um, totally aligned with, with, the, with the Catholic Church. But to me, no, that's, Danny, that's, that's what I think about. Yeah, go for it. No, Danny, I was also thinking about it in terms of our own parish community, for example. You know, as a pastor, we have a huge uh, Vietnamese community and we have a huge Hispanic community. And we have many who come from all, all over the place, actually. And I tell this to our Hispanic community because I think for the longest time, it was sort of like they would come and say, you know, Father, can we use this? Can we do this? Are we talking as if, as if we're letting them use our church? Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or letting the, the Vietnamese use our church. Uh, and I keep telling them, this is not, you're not, you're, you are the church. You are, this is your church. And everyone has every right to, to fully be a part of that. So I think sometimes, uh, and sometimes I don't even think we realize it. That's, that's the hard thing. I don't think we realize it, that, that we walk as if somehow uh, there is this kind of domination over others who are different than ourselves. And, and somehow 
um, that even in our speech and in our actions, we treat them as as uh, inferior. Yeah. That's why St. Augustine really uh, drives it home for me in many ways yeah. uh, on how we look at that. But anyway, I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt you, Danny. No, that's fine. I, I was just going to, um, con- you know, bring up our final question that I want to ask you all before we transition to our, our prayer. Um, and that's what steps we can take or maybe for people listening, what steps we can take to begin seeing racism as a life issue. If you're, you're just not there yet, you just don't, you don't see the, the connection. Um, and to me, this quote by Oscar Romero was, was one way cry, listen, or listen to the cries of other, right? Make, are the cry of our blacks brother, brothers and sisters your cry i also think about those famous two words in the gospels jesus wept he wept he mourned he felt the pain of lazarus and his death and then he moved to action right he brought him back to life and, and to me that seems to be just me, an, another Another part um, in scriptures that we can reflect on as, as a way to begin to see racism as a life is just, just to cry, to weep, to have that empathy and the compassion for the people who are crying out for justice. Because if we don't, it's like we're calling them liars. Like, do, you know, are they lying to us? Are all these people who are saying Black Lives Matter lying to us? Um, so to me, that's the first step is, is to cry, to weep, to mourn, um, to pray with Psalm 13 that, that says, when, oh Lord, when, oh Lord, will this end? Um, but anyways, what, what, what do you think? What are some steps that we can take? Well, I, I think we need to highlight individuals of our past who stood up. You know, one of the persons that uh, she's, um, uh, for me, just a, such a powerful inspiration, and her name is Sister Thea Bowman, and she is on her way to sainthood. I think uh, that's all coming up, and uh, she uh, uh, was the only white sister in her community, the only black sister in her community. Uh, And uh, uh, she was the uh, first black woman to address the United States Conference of Bishops. And I went to many a conference with her. Uh, She uh, was so powerful. She died in uh, 1990 um, at the age of uh, 52. She was young. She had cancer. But one of the most dynamic persons you would ever meet. She, I just fell in love with this woman and she stood up. She stood up uh, for the rights of, of all people. And um, uh, there's a quote that I just love. And she says this, we unite ourselves with Christ's redemptive work when we reconcile, when we make peace, when we share the good news that God is in our lives, when we reflect to our brothers and sisters, God's healing. God's forgiveness, God's unconditional love. That's one of her quotes. Unbelievable, powerful woman. And I I think what we need to do is highlight these individuals, perhaps uh, really learn more about some of these individuals, to learn more about Sister uh, Thea's uh, life and to really uh, be changed by, um, you know, she's, I, I just, can't wait till she becomes a saint, you know, just an unbelievable woman. And um, I have some pictures of her and things that um, just powerful. So anyway, I, I just think that's another way that we highlight individuals and also to let others in our community share their story more and yes. more of, 
of their journey. You know, like uh, we're so blessed to have Jasmine, for example, is one of our most esteemed teachers in our in our school, teaching these wonderful children. And and I think um, that we should highlight and embrace uh, the various uh, cultures, the various backgrounds, the various individuals, and to really bring them to the forefront in in ways of leadership and ways of of uh, of helping us. So anyway, I, I just I think that uh, this is a really important. Uh, thing that we can all do. Yeah. Jasmine, what are your suggestions? Um, I would uh, go off of what Father John was saying about, you know, um, especially if there's any like Catholic educators listening or just people who have young children, um, look up, you know, Black Catholic saints, look up Black, you know, holy men and holy women and see how you can integrate that in your classroom, integrate that learning. I mean, when I was in Catholic school, I think I learned about probably the same saints every religion class I took. And there was just like a catalog of saints that I always learned about in my religion classes. But I challenge everyone to be comfortable with not knowing and go online, go on the internet, you know, talk to people you know who have this information and learn that information and share it with others um, and share it with young children um, so that they know that there are Black Catholics who've made contributions to, to the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and just start integrating that knowledge um, and making it a normal piece of knowledge, just as much as we, you know, study, um, you know, St. Mother Teresa. Let's also study some of the other figures in our Catholic Church as well. And then I would say on top of that, um, you know, acknowledging that racism exists, I think, is the first actionable step that we can all do is acknowledging that it exists. And again, being okay with being uncomfortable. I think um, we have to acknowledge it and we have to know that um, it's going to be uncomfortable for some of us to listen and to learn, but it's important that we keep our ears open and keep, you know, our hearts open to learning and to listening to what other people's experiences are and to taking time to really just listen. And um, I think oftentimes people want to, you know, be in their discomfort and then make the conversation about them. Just listen, listen to what people are sharing with you. If you're listening to, you're watching, you know, a documentary or or reading a book, don't set it down because you're uncomfortable or unsure. Keep reading and and then sit with why you're unsure and figure that out. Um, Maybe even pray about it. Um, But I think the very first step that everyone has to take is acknowledging racism and understanding what that even looks like. And then even creating your own definition of what it is so that you can start to recognize it in your life. Yeah. And, you know, prayer is so important. And um, actually, if we had more time, I would do this. But one prayer that I've learned about from a, a priest in in different part of the country, his name is Father Josh Joshua. He's actually got a podcast called Ask Father Josh. And he talks about the litany of the body of Christ, which basically um, consists of listing the different black brothers and sisters who who have died at the hands uh, of the police and um it would go something like george floyd is the body of christ eric gardner is the body of christ um michael brown is the body of christ so on and so forth to recognize that they too are brothers and sisters that that their life mattered even even though they, they they're gone now and um to recognize that we're, we're all sacred, right? And that this is a life issue that we're talking about here. 
Um, but now is the time that we're going to transition to the Divine Mercy Chaplet that we're going to dedicate and offer up for an end to racism and for um, a for respect of all lives, especially the lives of our of our Black brothers and sisters. And so, if you're listening, now is a good time to um, push pause on your phone, your computer, grab your rosary, and pray along with us. Um, as we pray this Divine Mercy Chaplet. So, Father, you can get us started whenever you're ready. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this, give us day, this our day our daily bread, and forgive us yes, our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, 
have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Let us pray. Eternal God, in whom mercy is endless, 
and the treasure of compassion inexhaustible, look kindly upon us and increase your mercy in us, that in difficult moments we might not despair nor become despondent, but with great confidence submit ourselves to your holy will, which is love and mercy itself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, y'all. That's it for this episode of Reclaiming Social Justice. Thank you, Miss Jasmine Bush and Father John for coming on to the podcast to reflect, pray, and fast for an end to the sin of racism. Enjoyed the episode? Don't forget to share it on your Facebook and tell your friends and family about it and subscribe to Reclaiming Social Justice wherever you listen to podcasts. In part three of our Respecting All Life series, we speak with Emma Tack, who is the Associate Director of Community Engagement for the Catholic Mobilizing Network, which is an organization that um, promotes the ending of the death penalty and promoting restorative justice. Till then, I hope you all continue to stay safe, stay healthy, and stay well, and to practice your faith, putting your love in action by reclaiming social justice wherever you are in life. Take care.